Everybody glad to be in church this morning? Amen. I think, uh, I think it's on the heart of the Lord that we do some follow-up with Nathan. Um, and I hope you guys got to experience that. If you, if you weren't here, they're all online. Except for Thursday. Thursday was mostly one-on-one. But... Um, I'll just preface it by saying this. You know, when you follow God, every year isn't supposed to look the same, right? Every year is going to be fresh. It's going to be different. It's going to be new. And so following God, He doesn't change. You change. You grow. You mature. And you change to be more like Him. So you take steps closer to Him. He doesn't... He's taken, he, do you know he has already, everybody say already. He has already taken every step closest to you that he can. Now how he draws near to you is when you draw near to him, the scripture says. Say, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. Because when he gave his son, do you know that he took, he came, everybody see this piece of carpet here? He came as close as he could, this border. This is, this is where you are. He came all the way up. He was all in. Do you know that? He was all in on you before you ever made a decision. He bet everything he had. And he did his work. He bought and paid for spiritual life before he even, you know, he, he, he did it all without you, for you, apart from you. And see, the walk that we have is walking into more of what he gave us. I, I, I've, said, I've said this in time past, and I'll, I'll say it again. You know, we don't grow beyond the born-again experience. We grow into the born-again experience. Okay? It's not like being born again is old news. You spend your entire life understanding what it means to be born again. Everybody say amen to that? See, because, yeah, you, you, you look at it chronologically like oh yeah 10 years ago 20 years ago I remember I said a prayer I've been born again that's old news no that's not old news everything that God has do you know all that he has all the riches of glory and everything that heaven had to offer was contained in Jesus Christ and when you receive of him you receive his life if you have nothing but Jesus you have everything do you know that you could be stranded on a desert island with not a scrap of ownership of anything, just a shirt on your back. But if you know God, if you've got the fruit of the Spirit on the inside of you, do you know you have everything you need? And this is why Paul in places, you know, he'd be stuck in terrible, awful situations that none of us would ever want to encounter. And he could write, count it all joy. Because it was something on the inside. And the treasure that God has given to you is not like the treasure of the world. Do you remember Jesus said, peace I leave to you? You remember that? When he was disciples were about ready to go away, he says, peace I leave to you. But not like the world leaves. Not like the world gives. Don't be troubled or be afraid. In the world, you're going to have persecution. You're going to have trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And we are called more than overcomers. Why are we more than an overcomer? Jesus was the overcomer. 
we're more than overcomers because he gave you the victory. He, he overcame on your behalf and then gave you the victory to walk in it. A good parallel to that in the Old Testament, I always wondered why. It always seemed like God was kind of uh, <laughs> short-sighted in ways. He just sees things differently because he told the Israelites, he says, I've given you the land. Do you remember that? <laughs> Before they'd even possessed one square inch of it in the natural, he says, I've given it to you. There it is. <laughs> But don't you see Jericho? <laughs> don't you see the strong the strongholds? He says, I've given it to you. Go take it. See, what has he given us for an inheritance? It's not it's not something so meaningless as a patch of ground. Well, he's given us the very life of Christ. He has given it to me. He's given it to you. And see, every Smith Wigglesworth would say, he says, you're either going forward or you're going backward. There is no in-between. If you're not growing in God, you're going backward. See, And so every day is a day that we can take steps into more of who God is. And the picture I see, you know, when we were in geography, they taught us about rivers. <clears throat> and you can have the smallest little stream. We have a little stream in mom's backyard over here, just on Lincoln Way. It's, it's nothing, you know, it's just a, sometimes it's just a mud puddle, you know, <laughs> but it's a stream that goes behind. And if you and I were to walk in that, we'd be able to stand our ground and not be able to have a problem with it, right? But if you were to follow that tributary, that little tiny stream, it would merge with another and it'd merge with another and it would connect with the river and that river would connect eventually you'd make it to the ocean. See? And that's how I see, or it's, that's how the Lord is talking to me about our walk with God. Because he, it was a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about rivers. Everybody say rivers. Rivers of living water. See, Jesus says, if any man thirsts, let him come to me. Out of his belly shall flow rivers, not just, not just one, but multiple rivers of living water. And he said, this spake he of the Holy Ghost, who was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. See, on the inside of you, when you get born again, Jesus gives you newness of life. And the Holy Spirit is able to take a residency. See, there is a house that Jesus built and the Holy Spirit has come to occupy that house. See? Well, <laughs> okay. I have to, when we first moved back from Tulsa, many of you know that I live in my grandma's old farmhouse. And uh, out there in Melbourne, when we came back, it was exactly the way she left it. Well, it's probably been 10 years. And so at, even after she died, she passed away. Her house was exactly like I remembered it as a child. So we had this really, really, kind of turf colored green carpet you know it was awful and uh, uh, if you went in the bathroom evidently it was the thing to to carpet the bathroom back then I don't know and uh, there was uh, it was old everything was old we'd open up the closet and every once in a while one of the closets would have a dead mouse on the inside <laughs> some of them were skeletons some of them were fresh <laughs> 
Everybody, everybody on board, this is an old house, not been occupied, right? And so this was where my grandma lived and, and all of her things, all of her decorations, even some pictures, little trinkets, you know, she had little, she loved cardinals, so she had cardinals everywhere, decorations, pictures of people I didn't know. <laughs> well, nobody's living here. See, and, and I move into that house. Now, the work of moving into that house, it wasn't just, okay, I'm here. In the I would love it if that's the way moving into a house worked. You know, you just move into a house and it presto change or everything changed to where, oh, this is, you know, modern, clean, simple design, you know, whatever it is that you like. It just transforms right as you step in the door. Praise God. Does anybody have that anointing? Can they come to my house? <laughs> No, that's not how that works. And so uh, when we first moved back, 2010, we spent the better part of a half year getting that ready, and we knew that we were going to have our first son. And we, we were living with my mom for a couple months while we fixed up that place. And even now, even now, today, today, if you were to go to my grandma's house, there are still remnants of the way she lived, the choices she made, her past, her experiences, those things are still there. The, and, and part of them is, you know, I like them, I keep them, you know. Like you come in the front door and there's a picture of the f way the farm it used to be, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Aerial picture you can see. But even now, my point is this, even now we're not fully moved into that house. Even now there are things that will open up a door and like, what's in here? <laughs> I still have never yet been to the attic. I don't know what's up there. I'm not going to go up there. <laughs> but it took work. And we, we tore up that ugly green carpet, didn't we, honey? And uh, we rented one of those sanders, and there was this kind of thick black placky stuff that we just, I don't know what kind of chemicals were in there. Praise God, we're okay. We're just, <laughs> it's under the blood. We don't know what it was, but Josh turned out fine mostly, didn't he, honey? <laughs> but we, we had to go through a transformation process to make that house our own. And let me put it a different way. My life is manifested in parts of that house now. See, when I step into a room, it needs to accommodate me, not me the room. It needs to change for my use, not me change for its use, right? That's how, we, that's how we make our homes a tool. It's not supposed to change us. Everybody say amen. Say, God, he doesn't move in, and then it changed to you. He moves in and changes you to him. And see, when you move into a house, you transform it room by room, but there may be doors you've never even opened yet. You don't even know what's on the inside of there, and you don't want to know. And see, transformation is a process of taking over the rooms that were once occupied by the old man that lived there. And the old man is gone, but the remnants, the, the vestiges of the old life, the memories, the patterns, the behaviors, it's very easy for us to think in terms of the way my grandma thinks. See, my grandma, not very easy, but, but we adapt, Right? See, one of the things, my grandma, she, she, all her years, she never had a dishwasher. Never had one. We moved in there. What have we done? We still don't have a dishwasher. 
we have adapted in in that example we have adapted our life to fit my grandma's old way of doing things you see what i'm saying see and see the life of christ that's on the inside of you is not meant to adapt to the old way of doing things the life of christ that's on the inside of you is meant to transform you to the new way of doing things and see so often in christian circles or just in life in general what we do is we get born again and then we take that born again life and we put it on the altar of our own will we put it on the altar of our own experiences we judge it based on what we know and how we used to live and we adapt it to us and god wants the exact opposite of that he wants our will he wants our experiences he wants what we know and what we think we know all put up on the altar of his life and let our his life change it everybody say amen to that that was good i was i was excited about how that came out <laughs> and see this is i was a couple of weeks ago i mentioned uh, uh peter look at peter what his one of his very first encounters with jesus and he's been fishing all night long how many years and decades of experience do you think he had built up of what he knew about that subject oh i know what i'm doing and you've been out all day you've been out all night you've fished all the good spots they're just not biting today <laughs> and jesus says no go back out let me let me show you what you don't know See? there is a transformation process it's like following a stream when you first start following god the water it has a direction and you can feel the flow of it anybody been in a small stream you can feel the flow where it's going you know where it's leading but it doesn't force you it guides you right <laughs> and you take steps if you keep following that stream that tributary is going to grow and the current's going to get stronger and it's going to lead you in a anybody been in a, a stronger stream where you're kind of like okay <laughs> we need to hold on to something right well see the transformation process that god is leading each and every one of his children and he doesn't force it he doesn't push he doesn't drive he doesn't drag he asks he leads and he guides now sometimes he uses creative methods to you know kind of give you a kick in the pants but you still make the choice all right and see the 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 picture i see is of us following god is gradually little bit by little bit you see we used to make our own choices our own will used to lead and guide us but we felt that current on our feet and it guided us and we chose to follow it but you keep following that current eventually it's going to it's going to lead you you're not going to follow around it everybody with, everybody with me you're not going to be able to take a choice and say oh, i think i'm going to get out of the stream if you keep making a choice you go jump in the mississippi across from my wife's house down in louisiana you have very few choices about where you're going <laughs> everybody with me that's the choices that he's asking us to make but jesus was one an example of uh, the mark that we're to strive toward of one that fully abandoned himself on the current of the spirit he lived his life without his choices he lived his life without his will he constantly was surrendering his will that's why he said to his disciples you have to pick up your cross daily that's a that's a picture of your will being put on the cross and living for god's will and even at the very end he had to make a choice everybody say choice even at the very end jesus required his soul to bow the knee because he prayed he says if there's any way this could pass from me yet not my will but your will 
Now, if Jesus had to surrender his will to get God's will accomplished, you better know we need to as well. And that is a process in Hebrews that says he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. He learned obedience. And see, obedience is a lifestyle. It is a choice after another choice. It's not just walking into a room and expecting the house to transform before you. Obedience is a lifestyle. And every day, you take steps into more of it. And even though we don't, you know, okay, yeah. Transformation is a process, but you have some control over it, right? Now, we could have transformed that house in a matter of months to our liking if we wanted to, if we had the the gumption and we really wanted to take that on. (laughs) After we did that floor, we didn't want to do anything else for about three years, (laughs) And sometimes it's like that with God, you know? It's like, okay, we're going to take a break. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was musing with Natalie. It kind of set me back because I've been trying to get back on the workout train a little bit, okay? And uh, I, I bought this app to, uh, to uh, work out to. And instead of getting an expensive membership to a gym or something, I bought an app. And I, I opened it up the other day and I did a workout and it told me right there in the app, it says, um, you beat your, I don't know exactly what it was, but it's comparing my time, you know, because it measures how long I did it. And he says, oh, you did this amount of time. Your personal best was two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and you did it in 19 minutes and some odd seconds. And I just sat there flabbergasted. I was standing there in the bathroom. My wife came in and I was just standing there looking at my phone like, I've had this app for two years. <laughs> I've had this app for two years. My point is this. When I bought the app, part of the reason, you know, you bought the app, you didn't have to buy any equipment. You just do the push-ups, everything they tell you to do. And there were guys giving their testimonies how they gave their time to this thing. And in five weeks, no, not five weeks, I'm sorry, 15 weeks, this guy went from a little flabby, you know, to strong, muscular guy. You know those testimonies. You see them on TV. Well, I'm thinking, I've had this thing for almost two and a half years, and I didn't turn into that. <laughs> and I was, I was a little, now I was a little shocked, because I thought, I've only, I, in myself, I thought, you know, I've only had this for a year, maybe, maybe 18 months max. That's what I thought. So you kind of lie to ourselves. Does your flesh ever lie to you? And I was, I was appalled. I thought, I've paid for this service for 2.4 years. <laughs> and I still have not. Now I'm getting, it's served me some, okay? It's probably kept me from, from some things. All right, but, but it's, I've not yet applied it like I could. I have, this is where we're following up with Nathan, Okay. I have prayed for the better. I've followed the message of praying in the spirit for almost 14 years now. (laughs) To some now varying degrees of discipline. With the measure you give it is the measure you'll get back. Uh, let's Let's go to Mark. Gospel of Mark. I'm going to read a verse here. Mark chapter 4, 
And uh, I'm just going to read a little bit of the sower sows the word because it's in the same context. <clears throat> and the disciples asked him about this parable and, and Jesus said this. He says in verse 13, Mark chapter 4, verse 13. He said unto them, Know you not this parable? How then will you know all parables? Sounds like an important parable. <laughs> the sower sows the word. And these are they by the wayside. And he starts to categorize every class of people where the, the word was sown. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. How many of you have seen, actually seen the devil come in your house? <laughs> See, he doesn't always come, though, in an obvious fashion, right? He comes in those matadors. They keep you fixated on the red cape. If the bulls were smart about it, they'd go for the, the guy, but they think they're going for something else. That's how the devil steals the word. He's, he keeps you fixated on something else while he comes and while you're running at something that doesn't matter beating the air he stabs you in the back he keeps doesn't it keeps doing it the sower sows the word and these are they by the wayside where they the word is sown but when they have heard satan comes immediately everybody say immediately boy and he's never he's always done that throughout scripture he comes and challenges what god has said from the very beginning half god said Okay, I'm going to try not to belabor this too much, but he told me something the other day that just astounded me, and I want to share it with you. He says, do you know when the devil comes to challenge part of God's word, he's challenging all of it? Because God is not divided. Let me put it another way. When you watch a show that challenges a standard that God has put in your life, let's just pick... Okay, I always pick on this. Let's just pick adultery. Has God said, thou shalt not commit adultery? Yes, he has. When you watch a show that encourages adultery, or when you watch a show that encourages immorality in that field, that is the devil coming right to your door, right through your television, right to your ear, saying, hath God said? Hath God said? Now, if you allow God to be challenged on that point, do you know the devil is challenging God on all points in your life? Because God is not divided and his counsel is not divided. How can you say you trust God when it comes to healing, but you don't trust God when it comes to that? Or whatever it may be. If he comes and says, half God said, it's putting his foot in the door to challenge everything he's saying. Because God is not divided. <clears throat> Satan comes immediately. Everybody say immediately. And taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they, likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, but have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. And afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. And the cares of this world, anybody dealt with those? 
deceitfulness of riches. I've dealt with those. Lusts of other things entering in. I've dealt with those. Choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. In other words, it was sown, but you never see any. Nothing ever comes of it. Nothing ever prospers. Nothing ever grows up out of the words that were sown because of these things entering in and choking it. And then he ends here, verse 20, and these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, receive it, and bring forth fruit. Now, even of these, look at this. Look at the spectrum that Jesus creates. Some hear it, and immediately the devil can steal it. Some receive it, but through a fence, the devil can come in and turn them away. Some get past the fence, but then there's cares. There's, there's uh, deceitfulness of your heart and lusts of other things, cares of this life. I mean, of anything, that is the, I, if, of all the people I'm looking at right now, and I believe hearing this message, that is your number one threat, that third one. Lusts of other things, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, those things will choke the word, Okay. But verse 20, when it says, and these are they which are sown on good ground, so you get past, you get past offense, you get past the cares of this life, you get past just receiving it and the devil trying to steal it. You get past all those things, and even at this point, there are those that are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100 now, who do you think decides 30, 60, and 100? See, did God decide? See, it's our job. We're the ground, right, in this parable. We're the ground. The word is God's word. He's sowing it on the inside of us. This is our job to remove offense from our heart. It's our job to make sure the enemy doesn't steal the word. It's our job to guard our heart, Proverbs says. So this 30, 60, 100-fold life, even that, if the pattern holds, that's our choice. See? And you can get past all of those things. What is this a picture of? There's some people that are standing in tributaries. There's some people standing in streams. There's some people that are holding on to the banks of the river, and there's some people that are just flowing with it. Amen. See, and the 30, 60, 100-fold, God hasn't predestined any of you to get only 30. No more than he's predestined anyone to be offended and fall out of Scripture. It's our job. Everybody say, my job. It's my job to, to, to care for and nurture the Word of God in my heart and to let it bring forth fruit. And just like I... It hit me sideways when I was looking at that app and I thought, man, I've had this for two and a half years. I don't see any fruit. <laughs> I don't see any fruit. And I'm thinking, have I really been so blind as to have this for two and a half years? And that goal I set out with, I've, I've never fully quit the app. I've just been going really slow at it. <laughs> Am I right, honey? There'll be seasons I'll fall out. There'll be seasons I get back in. And this and that. And look at this. Look at this. 30, 60, and 100 fold. In verse 21, and he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? 
For there is nothing hid that shall not be manifested. Neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto them, or sorry, and unto you that hear shall more. Everybody say more. More be given. When you make room for the word, the word makes room in your life. It takes over your life. And this transformation process, part of what I was starting to say with, you know, Nathan was admonishing us all to spend time praying in the spirit. And I remember first hearing that word when I was a younger man. I was probably about 18 when I first heard it. About that idea of spending time praying in other tongues. And with varying degrees of discipline, I have been on that path for 14 years. But that's not unlike my app. <laughs> Where you take steps into it. Yeah, let's take steps out of it. That's, the water's kind of hot this morning. I think I'll get out of that. You know, and God asks you to do something. These pictures in the Old Testament are for, here for our edification. How many years they go around that mountain? Let's see. And, and I, have, I have spent varying degrees of, of time in prayer. But there are things he's asked me to put to death in my life that I've known about seven, eight years. And it's kind of like, you know, you almost, you almost kill it <laughs> and then you let it revive because <laughs> you're not quite ready to kill it yet. You're not quite ready to transform to it yet. <clears throat> he's calling us to trust him. Everybody say trust. He's calling us to trust him in a greater degree that to receive from him things that only you can receive from him that can't be received from another way. And he's trying to draw us out of these, these streams, out of these tiny tributaries where God is flowing, no doubt. He's, do you know he's flowing with you in your life right now? But as you follow that tributary town, down, the current gets stronger and stronger and his leading gets more forceful and more forceful. And you hear him clearer and clearer. And part of how he leads, and I'll just share this with you, part of how he's been lean, leading me is um, by not leading at all. <laughs> Let me explain what I mean. Do you know when you want a child to grow, you stop doing things for him? You expect them to get up and do it themselves, right? At some point, peeing the bed isn't cute anymore. It's not. At some point, you've got enough in you to get up out of bed and go downstairs yourself and use the toilet. Am I right, honey? Yes. They were fighting that a little bit. See? Yeah, with Marshall and I. <laughs> Be clear, be clear. <laughs> I would, but that's a good example of <laughs> where we don't want to be, right? We're not talking about me or, or Natalie. Is that what you were insinuating back there? Okay. I didn't hear it that way. She helps me. I have Holy Ghost 1 and Holy Ghost 2. I'm not sure which one's which sometimes. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Um, All right, that train's coming back. Got to catch 
<laughs> at some point, the Holy Ghost is going to lead you into more. And he's going to lead you and he's going to ask you. And what he's been doing with me, there it is. What he's been doing with me is that I used to hear him in things and I'm not hearing him anymore. And what he's doing is he's kind of saying, look, you're supposed to come deeper. It's time to trust. It's time to be more sensitive to what I'm saying. You know, he has a lot to say, more than you think, more than you can write down. And the more time you give him, just what Jesus said, the measure you meet with the word of God is what you'll receive from it. The measure you give it is the measure you'll get back. And Paul said it this way. He says, if you sow to the flesh, you'll from the flesh reap corruption. But if you sow to the spirit, you shall reap life everlasting. See? And if you, and if you continue so, if you don't faint, you'll reap in due time, in due season. See? As you keep sowing to the spirit, what happens is that transformation process. See? It's eventually going to show up on the outside. <laughs> and see, what's so challenging, this is such a perfect parable. I didn't think this through. This is such a perfect parable. You know with that app, you can work out and work out and work out. You can do that for five, six weeks. You can even do it for a couple months. But the results don't show up without consistency, without diligence, without keeping at it and keeping at it and keeping at it. You may, you think, I don't look any different. Well, the change is happening, but it's on the inside first, right? You get stronger on the inside. Nobody can tell. Your clothes don't fit any different, but it's changing on the inside first. See, and then one day you're going to break that barrier where <laughs> all the excess starts to melt away and all that's left is what's been working on the inside of you. And see, when you spend time praying in the Spirit and following God, it's an internal work. And what we hope for is that the Holy Ghost, through our prayer, is just going to go out and fight all our battles. And he's going to line this up in our finances and he's going to get our family on course. And he, he's not working on all those things. He's working on you. He's working on the internal part of you. Now, it's not as though he doesn't hear prayers like that, but prayer for personal edification is just that. When you spend time praying in the Spirit, it's building you up on the inside. And at some point, there is enough strength resident on the inside of you. He says, now go take that mountain. Well, I've never been able to take that mountain before. No, it's different now because I've built you up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. See, and what the Holy Ghost does for you, let me just tell you some of the things I've experienced in these last 14 years through spending time in prayer. <clears throat> One of the things that praying in the Holy Spirit will do will alert you to wrong teaching. Part of the qualification, I'll know if people are praying in the Spirit or not, is whether or not they're hearing God on what's being taught. And, it, and if, if you're spending time praying in the Spirit, He will correct and adjust your doctrine. Let's, where's the verse for that? Let's go to John. The Gospel of John. First John. Chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. We'll start in verse 18. 
Little children, it is the last time, as you have heard, that the Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. And they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they no doubt would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Verse 20, but you, everybody say me. We have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. When he's talking about that unction of the Holy One, he's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit that's resident on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit is there to put a check or a flag on doctrine when you believe it. Should you let it in? Should, should you let it guide your life? And one of the first fruits that I noticed in praying in the Spirit is when I'd hear something, and if it wasn't right, it would hit me wrong. And sometimes I couldn't even explain why it didn't hit me right. I didn't have the verse for it, but I just knew hearing it. I was like, something's wrong there. And after, I mean... I couldn't disprove it. I couldn't talk him out of him. I couldn't argue. I didn't know what to say, but I just, it was, you know, it's like somebody's got a weight on your chest almost, like something's not right here. And later on, the Holy Ghost would teach me what was wrong or he'd show me what was wrong in the word. He will do that when you're listening to somebody on TV or if you're standing in front of somebody, somebody that's trying to talk to you. doesn't matter, okay? He builds you up. And strengthens the spirit to challenge the strongholds that's in your life. He will build you up and strengthen your spirit to challenge strongholds in your life. Okay? The more you spend time praying in the spirit, he's building you up to take steps into growth. To take steps into those streams and those rivers and those places where you haven't flowed before, but he's sending you there. That's where the path leads. That's where he's calling you. One of the strongholds that I had to face in my life and and see... I firmly believe this, and I don't care if anybody else does or not. It's for me. I didn't just come here, assigned here, because I was my dad's kid. And it's been so long since I've preached on this, I forgot it, but, but he reminded it of me. I, I don't believe that just because I'm my father's son that I'm pastoring here. There's some qualification that had to be here to stand here. Everybody say amen to that. I didn't assign myself. I did not. He told me to come. He told me to come, and I came. And there was things that he was reproving and proving in me through times of prayer. And at that time, whether it had been 2010, I had been praying in the Spirit for better part of six years off and on. And there was things that he was getting out of my life. Well, one of the things he was building me up to, he was building me up to do what I'm doing right now, which was not something I would naturally want to do. I did not necessarily enjoy public speaking, but I do now. And that's testimony to the fact that you don't know what you need. God does. See, and there's things that's resident on the inside of you that God has that he just wants to open up that maybe something or some experience has clammed closed and God wants to pry it open and change you. See? <clears throat> so he builds you up to challenge those strongholds. Now, that point came where he says, go and do this. Nothing the Holy Ghost can do will make you obey him. Do you know that? He does not make you, but he does lead you. 
And if I would not have challenged that stronghold, then he would have made me challenge it another time. I have two choices. You have two choices with God. Either you fight the battle he tells you to fight, or you go around the mountain, or you quit. All right, that sounds like three, but the first, the last two are the same one, okay? All right, you, you fight the battle he tells you to fight, or you give up, okay? And you can say, well, I'm not gonna fight the battle that you're telling me to fight, but I still wanna follow you. He works with that heart. Around the mountain you go, and we'll come back again, see? The people that wanna give up, they just run away. But see, we try and find that middle zone sometimes in our flesh. Anybody there? <laughs> we try and find that middle ground in our flesh sometimes. We say, well, I don't want to quite do what you're telling me, but I still want to follow you. Around the mountain we go. Then we come back. See? And if we can ever just trust God enough, eventually we're going to trust God enough to never go around the mountain again, and we're just going to keep winning, 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 and you're just going to keep following him. Amen? Yeah. I'm getting there. We're going to get there. Praise God. <clears throat> He builds you up to challenge strongholds. Right. He'll alert you to wrong teaching. I call this the bumper strip effect. If you're getting off course in your life or there's decisions, there's an inner witness that's there. And through praying in the spirit, you're more sensitive to his leadership with that bumper strip. You know when you're driving on the highway and you start to veer right and you start to hit those it's letting you know, hey, this is not a safe course of action here. That's the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. And he will lead you and guide you into all truth. And the more you spend time in prayer, the more sensitive you are to those decisions. See, there's opportunities, even recently, things that, that's either brought to me by the world or brought to me by the enemy as red herrings. that they, they look good, they sound good, they feel right sometimes. And if you were just to judge it on the natural, you'd say, well, that sounds like an awesome opportunity. I've given so many testimonies of things like that in my past. Well, this fits my degree. God says no, because that bumper strip starts going off on the inside of me. Don't go that way. And the more you pray, the more you spend time in prayer, the more peace starts to abide in your spirit. And the quieter you get, the longer you spend time praying, the quieter you'll get. And the more clarity you're going to have on his voice. Sometimes when especially I've faced critical decisions, I'll just go spend some couple hours in prayer. I'll, I'll find time. You find time if it's important, all right? You say, I don't have hours. I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't believe you. Because if it's important, you find the time. You can find three hours to watch a football game. You can find time. Okay? And see, this is... You face a critical decision, you spend some quiet time in prayer, and he will lead you in the right, right decision. But what he does not do, and this is critical to understand, no amount of prayer will ever take your will away. It will ever take your choice away. You always have a choice. And, and uh, sometimes in our flesh, we like to find this middle ground. Well, I'm just going to spend some time in prayer. The whole point of prayer is to lead you to the revelation of the decisions you're supposed to make. Everybody follow me. The whole point of prayer is to lead you to the revelation of the decisions you're supposed to make. It doesn't make the decision for you. It's to lead you to that place. It's to help you understand. Praying in the Spirit is a revelation gift. It reveals the Word. It reveals the mind of God. It reveals the plan of God. And as you pray, it's unfolded what His will is, and then you step through it based off your decision. And you say, 
I will. In that same way where it was understood, Jesus, he prayed three times. He says, not my will, but your will be done. And he lived that way every day. Do you know if he didn't live that way every day, do you think he could have just gone to the cross on a whim? He had to live that way. And, and I know, I know that it's whoever believes and the power is available to the, all those that believe. All right, I know those verses, right? But there is a connection that is made with the resurrection power of life that's on the inside of us and the yielding of our will. Those things come together. And if we're gonna see true revival in this country, in this state, in this town, you're not going to be able to live your life through your house and his life through your house at the same time. They do not coexist. It's his will or your will. Amen. And the more we moved into that house of ours, we had to cover new ground. We had to open up new rooms. We had to explore new territory. We had to tear this out and tear this out. We recently redid our bathroom. If you come over, we're so proud. You come over to our house, we'll say, look at this bathroom. Now to you, it's just gonna be like, that's a pretty small bathroom. I know, but you don't know what it used to be, look. <laughs> See, that transformation, and, and we have, I'll give you some credit. Thank you, Patty. Patty, Patty was instrumental in doing that. We went on vacation and Patty came and, and did that for us. And we're so grateful for Patty that she did that. See, that was the Holy Ghost on the inside <laughs> But see, that transformation took place. And we can, now we just go in there all the time just for fun, don't we? We just kind of like, look at this bathroom. I think I'm going to take a, a hot shower, you know. You know how much hard water was in some of those pots? <laughs> Our life is manifest in there. Praise God. And there's rooms that God wants to open up. And you say, oh, let's not change this. It's the prison you know, right? Let's not change this. And God's, he can't force himself into those things. As much as he knows and all he's trying to do, and he's like, if you just let me work. You know, you ever, you ever had a kid like that? Just let me help you. I can fix it if you just let me. Eventually they grow beyond an age where they, <laughs> you can't fix it even though you might want to fix it. So, so take advantage of it now, I guess, right? <laughs> but see, that's the way God is. He's not just gonna usurp and make it all better just because he can and he knows what to do. It's a process of trusting him and letting him change those things. And even though it's painful and sticky and messy, you know, messy is on the right course if it's something that God has assigned for you to do. You got to make things messy before they get clean. You got to make a mess before it gets better. You got to dig up all the garbage, all the stuff. You got to go through it. You got to fight it. You got to battle it so that you can have God's will in that area of your life that you've never had before to have the order, to have the peace, to have the joy. And he's wanting to set order and peace and joy and strength in so many different rooms in the house of your soul and your emotions and the way you think, bondages you don't even see yet, limitations you put on God about what is and is not possible that are all rubbish. But it's because it's based off that old life. And the Holy Spirit says, I could clean house if you follow me and let me work. If you follow me and say yes to everything I have planned. That when I spend time praying in the spirit and you come to that stronghold and it's been there forever instead of running away and he says, would you say yes to this? You say yes and it cleans house and new life is in an area of a room then you get to explore. And just like our bathroom, I'm so glad that that's different now. And you just step in and you're like, 
Oh, praise God, this is, this is working. And see, but you have to say yes. Everybody say yes. yes. You have to say yes to that process. You have to spend, it's spending the time, but then it's letting him work. It's making the mess. It's getting filthy and dirty, spiritually speaking, in the sense that you're having to fight battles to change things. It's a fight to change. It's a fight to obey him sometimes. And before they ever inherited the promised land, it was a fight, was it not? They, you know, those guys, they were not fighters. They had to trust. They had to believe that the wisdom that came from God was good and sound. Let me get this straight. We're going to walk around the city. How many spears do we mean? I don't know. <laughs> we're just walking around the city. You got to trust, amen? He'll go before you. He'll do battle. He'll change those things that haven't stayed the same. But you still have to say yes. And see, I've, I've been doing this off and on for the better part of 14 years. And I have seen fruit. I have seen change. I'm not who I used to be. I am more disciplined in areas. There was disorders and dysfunctions in my life. That's not there now. I'm sure Natalie could talk to you about that. And her too, right? Not as many. But see, to the degree you give it, you want to run, we can run. You want to walk? Do you know the Holy Ghost was sent to stay with you? He'll stay with you until you depart this earth if you stand still the whole time. He will. He's that kind of guy. He sticks closer than a brother. But you let him lead. Let him guide. You follow him. Your walk will turn to a run. Your run will turn to a sprint. And you'll follow God into do, to awesome things. Amen. This is, this is the follow-up message. Because he gave us, it's, it's encouraging to hear what's possible. And I like to have Nathan here because he breaks some barriers for me that I sometimes don't get challenged. But then there's follow-up. And then there's practice. And there's work. You know, it's fun to go to a football game, but you have five days a week where you're practicing. Nobody's watching. Amen. So, let's pray. Father, I just ask you right now for grace to be imparted to run. To run and not be weary. To walk and not faint. And you know where every single person is at. You know where their heart is at, where their transformation process is at, what things have to be tackled or on the horizon. Father, I pray that this would not be another pass, a message that passes by, a period, a point in time that passes by, but I pray that we hold on to the word, care for it, nurture it, look after it, put it in priority over all the other cares and things that really don't bear the fruit that we need. We need your word to bear fruit in our life. Put the grace on each and every receptive heart. I pray that this would stick in Jesus' name, that it would grow and that it would grow to 30, 
60 and 100 fold that we would learn to walk and run and sprint that we would take steps into deeper and deeper places in your spirit and that new understanding new rooms this is this is him not me for I've called you I've called you out of darkness I have not left you like you were I have borne you of my own spirit and in the same way that you trusted me for salvation I ask that you trust me with your redemption with your life with your soul I ask that you trust me in new places and I'm saying right now that many of you many of you are going to explore new rooms in God that you have not explored before there are going to be things that open up in spiritual terms, not in natural terms, but in the spirit, there's going to be portion of who God is that you'll experience and get to run through and bask in for a time and you'll get to receive from that room that you've never received from before. And it is me that's adding to your transformation by bringing you into these new places in me. But they are not to stay they are for a season to receive and to grow and to change. And you will be asked again to go into new places. But I'm saying right now that there are doors right now before you to take steps into new growth. It's like an open field. It's like a fresh snow that's not been stepped in. That the Holy Ghost is saying, this is for you now. Come experience this part of the relationship that you've not experienced before. Come hear me in a new way that you've not heard me before. Trust that I'm speaking to you and trust that I'm calling you. And don't fret about all of the things that are around you, but only focus on me for it's through me that we change and transform those things that are around you. Focus on those things through me. Run with me so that we can change the outside. Don't change the outside in. Change it inside out. Follow me. Draw near to me. For I am near to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.